Okay, welcome to the Cloud Native Show presented by Rackner. My name is Alex Roll, and I'm here with Sharif Nisham, who's an assistant professor at Notre Dame. How are you? I'm doing great, Alex. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for hopping out with me. So I don't think Notre Dame needs any introduction. Uh, everyone knows it's a university, but why is cloud and IT delivery in general important for a university like Notre Dame? Sure. So if you kind of wind the clock back to, to 2012 and you think about the landscape at that time, there were a variety of things going through our mind. We we're thinking about, you know, this aging data center infrastructure we were sitting on. We we're thinking about the technology demands from our students and our faculty and our administrators, especially as this appetite for data increases from all of those areas. Um, and we we're looking at those demands just juxtaposed against a relatively flat budget. Mm hmm. So you've actually been in Notre Dame for a while. I think you, you went to Notre Dame. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your background um, as you sort of, at least from what I've seen uh, through your LinkedIn, sort of started in Notre Dame, uh, developing stuff for them, sort of ended up now as an assistant professor. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So yeah, I did um, undergrad and graduate work here and love this place. Uh, I think it's one of the best places on the planet in terms of a welcoming and family atmosphere where people genuinely care about each other. And that, that community, that community building is something we take very seriously. So um, I've always been in IT. I love building systems and have built systems for, for years and years in the private sector before I came to ND about 12 years ago. Uh, started teaching in the Mendoza College of Business about seven years ago. And then that got increasingly fun, and as I progressed through the IT administration ladder, uh, got to a point where I had to kind of figure out, well, where do I really, really want to spend my time? And mm -hmm. as much as I enjoy creating systems, um, I really enjoy being in the classroom a little bit more. So that's that's where I've chosen to spend some time. It's very cool. So you mentioned you started working for Notre Dame uh, 12 years ago in 07. So we're here to talk about cloud. How has Notre Dame as an organization changed in those 12 years? Because we've had massive changes throughout the industry and in how the industry treats cloud and uses the cloud and cloud resources. So how has Notre Dame specifically changed over that pretty big period of time? Sure. So if you think about, again, 2012, um, we were kind of paying attention to what was happening with our peers in higher education. And certainly we talked to our friends at Virginia Tech in the, in the aftermath of the tragedies that they experienced there. And one of the things that was very difficult, them, def, very difficult for them from a you know, service provider standpoint was mm -hmm. they were unable to communicate when they encountered a campus emergency. So the, the national spotlight kind of swung in their direction and the systems that they had designed for outbound communication failed. And so we didn't want to put ourselves in that same situation. And we, you know, had friends in the private sector who had adopted cloud for providing their services. And we looked at our top layer of our website and we thought to ourselves, well, you know, how would we, how, how could we use the cloud in order to make this our most robust and resilient service? And mm -hmm. Uh, we, we surveilled the landscape at the time. We ended up partnering with Amazon Web Services, and we went live in January of 2013 with our, you know, with our top-level website. And then 
we did a variety of experimentation in terms of kind of smaller pilot projects. We worked with our friends from you know the West Coast and the East Coast, from you know Stanford to uh, to Harvard, thinking about is now the time is you know is 2012 2013 is now the time for higher education to adopt cloud. So in, mm-hmm. in industry, it was relatively. Uh, it, it was it was further along, right? Industry was further along in terms of adopting this higher ed. I remember our CIO at the time was uh, apprehensive about mm-hmm. us pushing forward with this kind of strategy, but it's something that we felt very deeply was the right thing for us and for our industry as a whole. And I think now, if you if you look back from present day, it's something that's proven true. Uh, it, it, it's you know if you if you think about the rapid adoption and rabid adoption that's happened over the past you know five or six years, um, you know it's it's something that's certainly played out in the marketplace. And so at the time, Notre Dame was a was really a pioneer in that space in higher ed. And I think one of the things that made us successful there was, apart from the deep thinking and collaboration with our peers, was establishing a firm goal. Right. We, we, we came out very publicly and said that we wanted to move 80% of our services into the cloud in, in a three-year time span. And as you can imagine, you know, the, with, with, uh, with a workforce, that creates a little bit of anxiety because there, there are a lot of unknowns there. And apart from establishing that clear goal, what we committed to was investing in our people. So as a result of this migration that the university did, we made it clear to everyone over and over again that this was not a headcount play at all. No one would lose their job as a result of this transformation. However, people's roles would shift. And and I'm very happy to say that, you know, through continued investment in our people, through continued training, through uh, developing internal staff to the point where they can do the training as new people roll into the organization, um, I think it's been a boon for employee morale overall. Very cool. So let's talk about some use cases. I know, so you're assistant professor at the Mendoza, or associate professor at the Mendoza College of Business. So you, I think you mentioned in our prospectus about some uh, analytics use cases that were especially interesting on the cloud side. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So we have a master's of business and analytics program that is based in our Chicago facility, which is Mm -hmm. a wonderful way to help people equip themselves with the tools to deal with uh, data analytics, broadly speaking. And what we see specifically from from the students coming into this program, you know, these are folks who are uh, sometimes resident in Chicago, but more often than not flying in from places around the country. uh, And they're arriving with a laptop, possibly a work laptop that they don't have full control over. So that's one component of the equation. The other component is they're dealing with data sets that are simply too large to analyze in any timely fashion on a local piece of equipment. So what we've done there is we implemented uh, workspaces in Amazon Web Services. And so workspaces is basically just a a virtual desktop environment, right? It's just a a window on your machine that takes you to another machine. Well, that distant machine, that remote machine, can have a lot of horsepower behind it and have a lot of resource behind it. And the only thing that our students need to do is have a thin client that they put on, uh, you know, put on their local machine, and then they have access to all of this compute power. And I think what's really made that work 
is the ability to uh, consistently provide storage that contains these large data sets across these workspaces sessions. And so that's, that's something that has proven to be very beneficial for our students, because if you think about the, uh, the consistency of the environment, we're taking the, the end, you know, we're taking that last component out of the equation, right? We're taking their laptop out of the equation. So not only is the environment consistent, but from a security standpoint, you know, one of the, one of the things that they do as, as they're, cohort comes to a close is they do a capstone project for a real company using real data. And all of those are bound by NDA. And we need to do our part to ensure that that data doesn't leak out. So putting that in, a, in, a, in an environment where the only way in is through a VDI connection, we can accomplish that goal. So it gives us a better security perimeter. Nice, nice. And you, you also mentioned, uh, you know, generally, the move or at least the adoption of infrastructure as a service in Notre Dame. Uh, you mentioned workspaces. Are there any other use cases that you find uh, particularly interesting as far as the uh, university side versus the uh, student side as far as the university's services? Yeah, so I mean, so we, in, in our overall strategy, we kind of have a software as a service first approach. So if there's a, right. a software package out there that's going to do the job, like Gmail and G Suite does a fantastic job for us. We don't have to we don't have to run that ourselves. Um, but you know, I think where the future is going is really around uh, the streaming of applications, right? So the streaming of applications, similar to a to a video stream. And when I, when I think about it, I think about the student that I spoke with last fall, who uh, she's in a class called Applied Investment Management, where they actually get a chunk of the university endowment to manage over the course of a semester. And this specific class requires a plugin to Excel, and that, that plugin only works on Windows. So it's a Windows-specific plugin to Excel. Well, she was a resident assistant in a dorm. And her personal device was a Mac. And so she found herself in the situation where she couldn't do her homework when she was on duty. And, you know, that that makes me just crazy because it's 2019 now or 2018 at the time of the conversation. You know, I feel like this should be a solved problem. We should be able to. Well, so first of all, I feel like vendors should be able to deliver us software in a fashion that that takes the, you know, that takes the endpoint out of the equation. But that'll take, you know, that'll take five or 10 years, let's say. Um, in, that, in that gap between now and then, I feel like that's something that university IT can solve with uh, pieces of technology like application streaming or more pervasive use of, uh, of, of workspaces. The real, the real sticking point there, I believe, is the financial model around it. So mm -hmm. workspaces for X works great. Uh, for our grad programs, but it's just not scalable to every student on campus. Or if you think about um, the way the funding model works around endpoint devices, you know, there's a there's an allocation for every employee at Notre Dame for a you know for a productivity device, and that device is refreshed every four years. I think part of what we need to start thinking about is do you start to reallocate some of that allocation towards a centralized service and end up with a cheaper endpoint on the desktop, mm -hmm. but that has access to, you know, the, the services that you need. So I, I would love to live in a world and I don't think it's, I don't think, it, 
Well, I guarantee it's not impossible to achieve. It just takes work. I would love to live in a world where, uh, let's say, a student arrives at campus and we don't care if it's a Chromebook or a MacBook or an iPad. They have access to the software they need to be successful here. And I think the same should be true for our administrators. Very cool. I think you sort of answered this to some extent, but I'm interested to hear more. So when you look at the next, you know, say 12 to 24 months at Notre Dame specifically, what are a couple of initiatives or a single initiative that you're particularly interested in or looking forward to? Yeah, absolutely. So the one, the one that I'm most passionate about by far is this drive towards truly mm-hmm. delivering that, uh, that any device promise that the cloud has that we just haven't manifested yet, right? right. And when I talk to my 15-year-old, he's one-to-one Chromebooks in his school, and he can't be successful at a place like this using that device. And we had a conversation about it, and I said, look, you know, you could be successful because you haven't hit the birth lottery, and we know what to do to provision the hardware that you need on the back end so you can be productive, and that's not fair, Right. That should be available regardless of who you are and who you were born to. If you set foot on this campus, if you need software, this is how you get access to it. And I think it also will drive us to rethink how computer labs work here on campus. So if you think about why people go there, they go there because they need access to software or because they need a bigger screen or because they want to work with someone else. Well, if you can change the change the reality there and make uh, you know, make that access to software component not part of the equation, if that can be truly delivered regardless of where they are, then I think it changes what you start putting in those labs. Uh, we've done a renovation on the second floor of our library that is this beautiful collaborative space. And part of, part of what's in that space are these giant TVs on carts that you can just roll in and jack into whatever device that you have to project and work in a group. I see those used all the time. And I can imagine that our that our computer labs evolve into more collaboration space instead of where you go to get a piece of software. Very cool. All right, last question. I like to take it a little broader. So, you know, given your position, you're obviously uh, well aware of some of the trends, technology, or at an institution. What are you excited about that's more broad in the technology space? And it can it could honestly be anything. I know you talked a lot about app streaming and the future of that, but it, just keeping it a little broader, what, what are you excited about? So honestly, what I'm really excited about is the abundance of devices that are getting connected and mm. how we start to think about that um, socially. And right. you know, if you start to think about, uh, if you start to think about the code of ethics and conduct around AI, and you think about how does our, you know, how do we evolve our ethical framework to reflect what's happening in AI, and how do we patch that when devices are are dispersed all over the planet, and mm. you know, sh- should we, are, are are we creating tools or companions? I think we're creating tools, and I think if we were to inject ethics into those components, you know, I, I think I'd want them to behave like dogs instead of people. Because dogs tend to be happy to see you all the time. And people can be moody, and I don't want moody AI around me. 
It's a great sentence. <laughs> well, that was great. Uh, thank you so much, Sharif. I was really happy to have you on the show. And I think uh, this one has some really cool insights that we wouldn't necessarily have on some of the other episodes. So thank you again for hopping on. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate it. I hope you have a great weekend. You too.